Welcome to Reflections from the Heart, presented by Stewardship, a Mission of Faith. Reflections from the Heart is an outreach of Gospel Reflection, a family ministry of Stewardship, a Mission of Faith. For the next 30 minutes, please join us as we break open the bread of life in the Gospel reading for this Sunday's Mass, as we invite the same Holy Spirit who inspired the biblical writers to inspire us today. And now, here is your host with Reflections from the Heart. Welcome everyone to another session of Reflections from the Heart. My name is David Abel. Today I'm joined by Rob Longo, Tom DeAngelis. Welcome one and all. Thanks, Thank David. David. Good awesome. to have you back, brother. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Florida was beautiful. Awesome. Beautiful. Well, everybody would take a moment and get their Bibles. We're going to turn to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2. Verses 20 through 2 through 40. But Rob, before we break open the bread of life, do you mind inviting the Holy Spirit in to see so that we can see what we're supposed to see, hear what we're to hear, and then be the world changers we're called to be? Uh, I would love to. In the name of the Father, Father Son, Son, Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. 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 Dear Lord, thank you for this moment. You're the God of now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for loving us, for choosing us, for delighting in us. Uh, please help us to uh, just to embrace our identity as your sons for all the women listening, your daughters. Please help us to grow in relationship with you. Help us to get to know you more, and then that knowing to love you more, and then taking that knowing and loving and to serve you and, and everyone that we meet. Please guide and protect us on this day. Please prepare the hearts uh, of all of us listening so we can receive your message. What do you want to say to us, Lord? Give us the courage to, to receive it, uh, and then the, the fortitude to live it each and every day. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Father, Amen. Son, Son, Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. 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 And Tom, do you mind giving us a little gospel love? Sure. Again, it's from Luke's Gospel, uh, chapter 2, verses 22 to 40. When the days were completed for their purification, according to the law of Moses, Mary and Joseph took Jesus up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, just as it had been written in the law of the Lord. Every male that opens the womb shall be consecrated to the Lord and to offer the sacrifice of a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons in accordance with the dictates of the law of the Lord. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, awaiting the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he should not see death before he had seen Christ of the Lord. He came in the spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to perform the custom of the law in regard to him, he took him into his arms and blessed God, saying, Now, Master, you may let your servant go in peace, according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which is prepared in the sight of all the peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory for your people Israel." The child's father and mother were amazed at what was said about him, and Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rise of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be contradicted, and you yourself a sword will pierce, so that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years having lived seven years with her husband after marriage and then as a widow until she was 84. 
She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day with fasting and prayer. And coming forward that very time, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were awaiting the redemption of Jerusalem. When they had fulfilled all the prescriptions of the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. The child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Mary and Joseph, the family, created in God's image, male and female, he created them. We need to really understand the, such the importance of marriage between one man and one woman, as this points out again, and our role and responsibility as parents to consecrate our children to God, just as Mary and Joseph did as our example. You know, we're created equally, male and female, equally in the image and likeness of God. And together, that one male and that one female in marriage have that one flesh union open to life that allows another life to come into this world, another opportunity for Jesus Christ, the child Jesus Christ, to come into this world in that new baby. Do we realize that? St. Paul says it's no longer I. A Christ that lives in me. I live no longer. So for me, every opportunity for marriage to be the signpost it's called to be, to point to the heavenly reality of the eternal exchange of God's love, the Father to the Son is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Every signpost that is a true marriage is an imitation of God's love, free, total, faithful, and fruitful. That's what marriage is, open to life, open to God to form the baby from the moment of conception in the womb of a mother to knit the soul to the body so that through that one flesh union, Jesus Christ can come into this world again through the uniqueness of that child. Ladies and gentlemen, the enemy has distorted that truth and is trying to destroy God's creation in the womb of woman, that womb which was created not for the health of the woman, but for the health and safety of another human being. That precious child brought about in the sacrament of marriage through the one flesh union opened to life of one man and one woman. Let us learn our story and share that truth with courage and be the voice of those children who can't speak for themselves, who are Christ in the womb. God's plan for the salvation of souls through that unique human being created in his image and likeness equally Male and female. That's what I got out of the first sentence yeah. as I was uh, reflecting on this. Uh, and, and the word that comes to me is complementarity. That you know, when when a man and a woman get together, you know, we, we don't need to try to struggle to see who's who's better. It's complementarity. Like that yes. that the two together are are one. And David, you, you have a beautiful uh, 
beautiful statue. I don't know, you know, might be hard on radio, but you're a good, you're, you're a good, uh, um, you know, orator and, and you can paint pictures beautifully with your words. But if you can please paint the picture of the statue of the Holy Family that, that unless you really look or if someone explains, you might miss it if well, you see I, the statue. I did miss it. I was in Vietnam traveling. I went to this Catholic artist that hand carved these amazing statues. And the one that really struck my heart and my, my, my eyes was this statue of Mary and Joseph together standing side by side with Jesus Christ being held up by both of them in the center. This so was the image of the family. What I never realized till it came was shipped here and I put it up on display is one day I was walking and looking at it and I went, wait a minute, there's only two feet in this statue. They must have miscarved it. But that's not a truth. You see, what I realized was there's a spiritual reality in the fact there's only two feet. Because as I watched the statue come down to the, to the bottom, to the ground, the two feet, one is the man's and one is the woman. The spiritual reality is the two shall become one. The union mm-hmm. of male and female in the sacrament of marriage is, is, is the image and likeness of God who is love, free, total, faithful, and fruitful. No other union in this planet can reflect that truth. That's why Jesus says they're given in marriage here on earth. But in heaven, there is no marriage between one man and one woman. Why? Because marriage in heaven is the ultimate marriage. The bridegroom, Jesus Christ, with each and every one of us members of his body, fully united, complimentary, Rob, complimentary, fully united in him. So in heaven, it's Jesus Christ fully living in, with, and through David Abel, Rob Longo, Tom DeAngelis, and each and every one of you in your uniqueness. Because in your uniqueness, you were created in the image and likeness of God. You're irreplaceable. So that statue spoke to my heart of the truth of marriage, of the truth of family, of the truth of the union of one man and one woman, and the fact that there are two feet. The man's, we think in our heads, you know, we're the problem solvers, but the woman is built to be the responder. And, you know, for me, as the man, the more I'm formed, and I love this word purification, the more I'm purified, I call it purgation, the more that I go through this purgation every day, purged from me anything that's not of Christ and perfected in me or purified me in me anything that is of Christ, the more attractive I am. To my wife, who's built to respond to the invitation of Jesus Christ, to the extent that she's not responding to me, which is the way God built her, I can look in the mirror. Am I filling her heart or am I poking holes in it? Am I drawing closer to Christ and being more perfected every day in his image and likeness or am I self-serving? So for me, that statue spoke the truth of marriage, spoke the truth of family, spoke the truth of being created male and female in the image of likeness of God equally. And that's why when we're united, 
What are we called to do? Reflect that love which is God, free, total, faithful, and fruitful. There's a, uh, you, you just triggered a thought, David. There's a statue, uh, a sculptor up in the St. Francis Retreat Center in Easton, Pennsylvania, and it's out in a, in a beautiful garden. Um, and when you walk in, it, it, it kind of looks like a modern art type of thing. You can kind of see the shape of a heart a little bit. But as you walk around the garden, there's a circular path around it, and there's two benches, one on one side and one on the other side. And when you get to those benches and you look at it, you can see that what forms the heart is um, a, a, a ma- male figure that represents Joseph, that, that kind of starts over the top and then... Starting at the top, the two heads are together, close to together, but but Mary's head is a little bit under, but she also is, is um, kind of dra- shaped around, and when you look at it, it forms a heart, and right mm. in the center, holding in her hands, is the baby Jesus. So it's a holy family, and uh, it, it kind of touched me when I was on retreat up there last August, the same way it sounds like that statue touched you, because... It's a discover. It's a process of discovery, which all good art is. You kind of look at it and appreciate it over time. But um, when you said there were only two feet, it kind of reminded me because there, you can only see Joseph's feet, and he's kind of holding Mary. You know, their kind of heads are together, and he's kind of holding her in place, and then she's kind of arched back, holding Jesus. And and it's right. It's it's so beautiful because it you can, it's perfect heart shape. And I even walked around and looked at it from both sides because it just it's it's time to reflect. It was very very similar experience. It sounds like, but um, but I do think the other thing that kind of jumped out, especially in this first paragraph, is the idea of purification that you touched on too, is because uh, we we do have to be purified. And when you said you know if if you, your wife's not finding you attractive, you have to look in the mirror, not because I'm going bald or because my hair is getting gray or something. It's more like the moral mirror is what you meant. And yeah, I think we have to do that every day, but I, I don't think it's just our spouses. I think it's the people around us. It's the attractiveness that we are to the people around us. And you can kind of reverse that and say to the extent that people are that are attracted to you probably is some sense of the way that they're you know, that they're, they've been, been purified. And that's not, all, that's not always of our choosing. Our purification isn't always something that we go after. It's something that God sometimes imposes on us for our own good, you know, the, the sacrifices that we have to make that we wouldn't have chosen, but they're in our life and we do them. You know, well, you know as you were sharing, Tom, I did, the Lord just opened up something else to me, you know, the two feet, one's Joseph, the man's, one's Mary's the female. Well, God is playing his song the invitation to the heavenly banquet. And so Joseph in the dance, when you dance, if you learn from Frederick Murray or whoever you went to, the man takes the first step, but then the woman takes the step and the man takes the step and the woman takes the step. Cause I guarantee you if they were both my feet, I can guarantee you I'd get off the path. I'd be away from the path. I'd be all over the place because I figure I can do it all myself. But when we truly dance to the music that God is playing, to us, his precious children, every day, you take one step, she yeah. takes one step. You take one step, she takes one step. That's the dance of marriage. It's that growth together. I take a step, she yeah. takes a step. Because if I go run ahead of her, mm-hmm. that's not very healthy. More than likely, 
it's going to cause a problem in the relationship. So that beautiful imagery of the music of God drawing us to that heavenly banquet, listening to the music of God, I take a step, she takes a step. I take a step, she takes a step. That's the dance of life. That's the dance of marriage. Hmm. There's a prayer that I wrote down. Um, Lord, help me to present you to every temple I encounter today. So Mary and Joseph presented Jesus the temple, but aren't we all temples of the Holy Spirit? So, um, and that came to me many years ago when I was trying to pray the rosary and, and make it really specific and, and, and intentions. And I was having a tough time really specifying something for, for that mystery of the presentation of Jesus in the temple. And then I remember I was in, in Cape May, New Jersey. I was out on a run and it was cold. It was winter time. And it just came that just, you, you know, the attention that the Lord asked me to pray was that, that I, I could present Jesus to every temple that I meet. And then I continued the rosary with the finding of Jesus in the temple. And then he said, okay, now go on a treasure hunt and every temple you meet, try to find Jesus. Wow. And I read this last sentence and this always, I think it's such a deep theological truth. You know, Jesus speaks elsewhere in the scriptures that unless you become like one of these little ones, unless you become like a child, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. In the kingdom of heaven, it's at hand. Wherever Jesus is present in the heart of another, at our Catholic masses, you know, in the Eucharist, the kingdom of heaven's there. So I read the last sentence. The child grew and became strong. How did he become strong? Did he, did he lift weights every day? No. Filled with wisdom. And this is key. And the favor of God was upon him. The more I am like the child I'm called to be, the child of God the Father, living a life of awe and wonder and amazement, living a life of gratitude. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. The more I experience God the Father in my life. Give you a perfect God story. This weekend was my birthday. My wife, my birthday, bought me a fishing trip. My daughter's with us, and she never goes fishing because she gets sick going see, gets seasick going fishing. But she says, you know what? Because it's your birthday, I'll go with you, Dad. Oh, that's great. So that morning during my prayer time, went to Mass during my prayer time, you know, I'm like, Father, come with us fishing. I'd really like to catch your bounty. Please don't let my daughter get sick. Let us just have a wonderful time with you. And so we go to the boat, and the guy says, you know, the guy had told us he, had, he didn't have the bait to go out for the big fish, but the big fish were there. He said, but as we were pulling up, he looked to the side of the dock, and there's this school of fish about two feet long called mullet. He gets his net and throws it out and catches a bounty of bait, live bait. And he pulls it in, drags it over to the boat, puts it in the live well of the boat. He said, we've got this live bait. He said, I'm telling you, we need to go out and catch the big ones. We're like, yeah, let's do it. So we go out. Well, on the way out, it, it had picked up the wind. It was a northwest wind, and it had a probably a three to five foot Ooh. swell on it. And we're in a little boat. Mm. And my daughter thought she was at Hershey Park. She was loving it. She's 23 years old. She loved it. She's bouncing and the waves coming up. Loved it. I'm like, huh, that's unusual. We get out there. There's a boat on the wreck that we were going to 15 miles out. And they only caught a couple small fish. He said, ah, the big ones aren't here. Captain's like, well, I saw them on the meter this morning, but I didn't have the right bait. So we hook up the bait. We start to troll. We didn't troll three to four minutes. 
and boom, the rod goes down. I take the first fish because it was my birthday. All wanted me to have. So I, it took me about 15 minutes to land a 55 pound amberjack. It was awesome. Off the charts. Phenomenal. And then my daughter, five minutes later, 10 minutes later, boom, the other rod goes down. She catches an, excuse me, 85 pound, four and a half foot long amberjack. I help her catch it the whole way in. She had the time of her life, loved it. And then I remembered. I prayed she didn't get sick. She didn't get sick. I prayed for a bounty. They caught a bounty of bait, which allowed us to catch the bounty of the big ones. We caught a lot of other fish later that day. But we caught two phenomenal fish. Those poor people in the other boat watched us catch these big fish. They had been fishing all day and didn't catch one. And you know what? That's what God the Father wants. When you realize you're his precious son and you're his precious daughter, when you truly in prayer enter into that divine intimacy with him and invite him along, it says here, you know, he was um, filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit led him. Boom, invite the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit along into your business meeting, into your bedroom, into your fishing trip, your hunting fish, your knitting class, whatever you do. God wants to be a part of your life, the Father in every aspect of it. When you realize that theological truth, it'll change your whole perspective. And then God will use you because you know what? The captain's like, I can't believe this was amazing. I said, you know what? It's a miracle, isn't it? He said, absolutely. I said, well, let me tell you why it's a miracle. Because I prayed this morning and I invited the Father along. I asked him for his bounty. That's why I believe the bait was right there by the dock. And we went back out to where you caught nothing this morning and looked up the first two big fish and then caught a lot of fish after that. I said, and so again, again, it's right here in the scripture verse. Uh, and they spoke about the child to all who were awaiting the redemption of Jerusalem. As we share these God stories and we give God the glory and God the credit, it plants those seeds of truth in the hearts of people that need to realize there is a God and he's their father. Yeah. Wow. This um, prayer or this uh, statement that Simeon makes here if um, if you pray the liturgy of the hours night prayers, that's the prayer that has been selected that is prayed every night at the end. It's it's the uh, it's the kind of the last thing. And if you look at it, it really is you know now it's a great prayer mm. to pray because he's basically saying you can take me because I've you've done what you needed to do, but you promised me. But it's a great prayer to pray at night because now you can let your servant go in peace. Your word has been fulfilled. And uh, it's a it's a great prayer to remember that this may be your last night, or if I do wake up tomorrow, there's more there's more of the abundance that you were talking about, David, for us, and that we should be we should be aware of that. We should be alert to that. That's a great evening prayer to pray every night. You know, we take too much the re, the, the fact that we take for granted that we have tomorrow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, we just lost a very very special sports person, Kobe Bryant, and his daughter. And uh, as my wife was researching, you know, Kobe Bryant realized he was a, de- a devout Roman Very Catholic. Devout, yeah. And that he and his daughter, that morning, the morning of the flight, they went to Mass. Early, early Mass. Yeah, 7 yeah. o'clock. Yeah. Yeah, early, early, early yeah, Mass. Yeah, for Sunday, yeah. You know, so as I read this today, I thought about that and reflected, you know, he didn't know that was going to be his last moment on earth. But God knew. Mm-hmm. And so gave him that opportunity and his daughter so that his servant 
could go in peace. Mm -hmm. So let's pray for Kobe Bryant's family, those left behind, the healing in their hearts, that God sends them heavenly kisses. Let them know that Kobe Bryant and his daughter, they'll be reunited with them someday in their lives. They'll come to see them again, that they're okay, and they're in God's hands. And it's just, it's the beauty of the invitation of, of consecration, total consecration. And when you look at consecrated to the Lord or, or when vessels that are used at mass are consecrated, they're set aside. Like you wouldn't have milk and cookies in, in the chalice that we use at mass. It's set aside for a specific purpose. So you consecrated your fishing trip That's to good. the Lord. You set it aside to the Lord. You don't stop fishing. You, you consecrate everything we do to the Lord. So then our whole life becomes this consecration. You know, usually there's a first act of total consecration where you're saying, all right, Lord, I'm in. Right. And, and a lot of times it's through the blessed mother, right? Cause God could have chosen any way to come to us, but he chose Mary. So what mm-hmm. better way to go back to God than, right. than the same way he came back. I don't, I don't think there is a better way. So, you know, to Jesus through Mary and Jesus takes us to the father, son, and Holy spirit. But what is her way? You know, in this prophecy, uh, Simeon prophesies about, um, the blessed mother and you yourself, a sword will pierce so that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. So there's a prophecy about Mary in here too, that, that she was going to, uh, experience this sort of suffering in her life, especially watching her son go through everything he did. So for us, when we consecrate ourselves, when we set her, set ourselves aside, we dedicate and, and consecrate everything to the Lord, we will absolutely suffer as everyone does. But then that suffering, we can do that with Mary, and then together we can ask her to offer that up to Jesus, united with his suffering for the conversion of all men, women, and children, for the salvation of every soul. And you know what, Rob, earlier this week I got a letter, an email from a, a woman named Sarah who, who really falsely accused me of discrimination because of my faith belief that marriage is between one man and one woman. So I responded to her with love and truth in a beautiful, beautiful way, hoping and praying that her eyes of her heart would be open but they weren't. The letter came back that said, you discriminate, that's all I need to know, and I'm going to tell all my friends about it. And I took that piercing of this sword of sorrow through my heart and said, Lord, help me to pray for Sarah and give her special blessings. So this morning I offered Mass for her, and I will pray for Sarah. Every time her mind, her name comes to my mind, pray for her miraculous conversion of her heart that she may be set free and that she may be coming into the divine intimacy with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Don't take up an offense. Offer up a prayer. I repeat that. Don't take up an offense. Offer up a prayer. God bless each and every one of you. Let's set this world ablaze with the love of God. Reflections from the Heart has been presented by Stewardship, a mission of faith. We hope that you've been blessed and encouraged as you listen to Reflections from the Heart. If so, please consider participating in a Gospel Reflection Group. For more information on locations and times of Gospel Reflection Groups, or how to start a Gospel Reflection Group in your area, and to learn about all of the family of ministries, please visit our website at stewardshipmission.org or call us at 717 367-0100. Stewardship, a mission of faith, is a 501c3 nonprofit organization and depends on donations from people like you to make reflections from the heart possible. 
If you've enjoyed this broadcast, please prayerfully consider partnering with us by making a tax-deductible donation by visiting stewardshipmission.org or call us at 717-367-0100. On behalf of all of us at Stewardship, a mission of faith, thank you for listening. And until next time, may God bless, protect, and guide you on your journey home to Him.